as I was speaking with the children this morning, I'm going to sort of fill in the blanks that um, are really quite astounding about this encounter and, and action of Christ, where he literally leaves the light of Israel and goes into a region of what would be known in those days as a known enemy of Israel and a place of pagan worship and darkness. And as he comes into this, this region, he essentially is crossing a border. And he's bringing his disciples, as always, uh, for a lesson. And the lesson um, is a good one for us to remember. In our church, we say we know where God is, but we don't know where God isn't. In other words, we believe our Lord is ever-present here in our church. But beyond the borders of this church, we do not know where God is acting and operating. And so we have this, this woman who also uh, does some astonishing things. She is breaking some boundaries. As a woman, you were not to go out into the public and greet a man at that time. She was also a, a woman who apparently has no one else. There's not a, a man or a husband or anyone with her. So she's alone. And she is a known enemy of the Jews. And she approaches Christ. And how is it that she's able to say, Oh Jesus, Son of David, help me. It means for her to be able to have said that, that she was educated. Somehow she came to know the Scriptures, and through knowing the Scriptures, she knew who the Christ was supposed to be, and she had heard from the, the townspeople that this perhaps might have been the one. So she goes out with this terrible condition of her daughter being possessed with a demon, seeking the help of Christ. And she approaches him. And at some point, which is sort of out of order, but the disciples, she's been, she's been approaching them ahead of time. It, it kind of reminds me maybe of like, you know, uh, a celebrity, and they have their entourage sort of handling the crowd and keeping people away from them. And a, a, a woman who, who wanted, who was all of these things to his disciples, she was not going to have access to him. And she was, but she was kept after them. She was the one annoying them. Saying, let me, I have a daughter who is ill. And I need to bring her to this, this person. And then when she finally gets there, as we heard with the children's sermon, he's silent. It's just her request for help is met with silence. And in that silence, we begin to see how our Lord is moving her faith and her love for Him into the, into the crowd. <laughs> he wants her to witness to everyone there her faith that's extraordinary. 
that despite all of these things against her, she knows who God is. And our Lord wants that faith. She, he wants to take it to another level. Can you imagine waiting your whole life to see someone who you know has the answer to your predicament and you finally find them and you talk to them and you reach out to them and they're silent. But something else was going on. God reached beyond the borders of Israel, was working in this woman's life. She knew the Lord. And then this other astonishing statement. Why would I... I cannot take my children's bread and share it with you. The gift that God has given me is only for the chosen people of Israel, not for you pagans, people in darkness outside of us. Again, who's he talking to? He's actually talking, he's talking to her, but he's talking to all of us, especially the disciples who think that this woman is just a bother, someone who is annoyance, someone who doesn't understand her place in the world. But it also shows their insensitivity to her condition, their lack of compassion, their lack of, of, of mercy. Right? So God, our Lord, is telling us, I'm the God of mercy and love and compassion, there's nothing that can stop anyone from coming to me. Nothing. And then she says these astonishing words that I think they belong to all of us. They should belong to all of us. And although our brothers and sisters have started Great Lent, uh, we are not going to start it till March 17th. But these Sundays before the beginning of Lent, beginning next Sunday is the prodigal son, I mean the uh, publican and the Pharisee, the Lord begins to sort of till the soil of our, our heart and our soul so that we can truly be humbled before the Lord. There's no access to God without being humble. It's absolutely impossible. And we can't become humble until we can be in a place or we can recognize that we're somewhere close to being humble, if we can say the words that she says, Lord, I'm, I just want a crumb of you because I know I'm not worthy of anything more than that. Because you are God and I am not. And I'll take whatever crumb you can give me. And, and Great Lent is sort of this, this school of repentance that, that begins to, to, to look at our heart and our soul in a, in a new way. And one way we can look at her daughter being possessed is, and being in captivity by this demon is to look at our souls in the same way. And, to, if, and if, if our soul is like this this part of us that's taken in captivity, it can only become free when we find the love and the faith of, the, of, of us, of the mother, to ask God to help us. 
There can be no change without us asking God to free our soul from darkness and from captivity. And, and when we come to Him like, like, and persistently come to Him, you know, I, I think we're in the, you know, we used to say, have it your way, Burger King, everything's instant. We want to just ask God to fix something and it's going to be fixed. It's not like that. Her persistence is, is just this incredible witness of her humility and patience with, with, her, with her situation. And, and that's the same thing with us. We have to want to be free. And, and, and that which is foreign is that which has taken our soul. The, the evil one is what's foreign to us. Not crossing a border and not, not other people. They're not the enemy. What's foreign to us is evil. And to have that same persistence and patience and humility of this woman to say to the Lord, help me and rescue my soul and bring it into the light. Because right now it's, it's in captivity in the darkness. And so that's a process. That takes time. That takes attention. That takes a desire to want to change. And she does all of that for us. And, and the church sees this whole incident as the church being called into the world way beyond the chosen people of God. Some may say, you know, you Orthodox are the chosen people of God. You guys have the fullness of the church. You guys haven't messed up anything. You've kept it all. You have this beautiful worship. You've been given it all. And it's true. <laughs> it's true. But until you and I embrace it in, is, uh, to, the, to the most possible depth that we're called to do, it will never become that light it needs to become. And I believe it's becoming that. I truly do. I truly believe when people come and they finally find this, this, this great gem of God's church and they find people of faith who are themselves looking to, to be helped by Christ and find through Christ new life, then they begin to see, oh, this church is a lot more than what I perceive on the internet. This is a battlefield. This is a place where the Spirit of God transforms us. And, and when we're being transformed, our love for God can be shown. And so, there's no um, Zacchaeus this year. Usually Zacchaeus precedes the publican and the Pharisee. But we have this woman as this sort of call for us to repentance that begins next week. The doors of the gates of repentance will open as we begin the matin services next, next week. So it's a time to look at our commitment to Christ, to come earlier to church, to hear, come to hear the bells now. We have something else to come for. We ring the bells at the doxology. Come earlier, come to matins when the church is quiet and peaceful and we're preparing for the liturgy. 
Come to a, a class. Come to a, the women's Bible study. Come to the evening class. Pick up your Bibles and read them. <laughs> Open up your heart to God and let him work. And, and we do this as Orthodox as a whole. As a whole. So you're not, we're not doing this pilgrimage alone. <laughs> if, if, if there are truly a couple hundred million Orthodox in the world, we're actually all doing this at the same time. We know our monastic brothers and sisters are doing it. And it's, it's those type of fervent prayers that bring life to the church. And your fervent prayers bring life to the church. So through the prayers of this blessed Canaanite woman, may our Lord have mercy on us and save us.